All right, back for round two. It is part two of our summer reading spectacular with yeah. Tina Ferguson of Face in a Book Bookstore. <laughs> Yes, so many great okay. books in the world. It's like so hard to like go through the store and just pick a few, um, but I did. I, I was able to call it down. Do you ever, when you're in the store, just like pick something off the shelf and you're like, I don't even remember buying this, and then oh, you get into it? all the time. Do you? What's, what's, so every, you know, every time I'm going to, you know, purchase my books to replenish our shelves, I'm always fascinated when there's this random book that I didn't even know we had that sold and like sold multiple copies. And so I look at that and go, wow. And then I pat myself on the back a little bit and go, good job. You picked something that someone wanted. And I think that's the beauty of an independent bookstore is being able to find those books that you're not going to find at the airport or the big box store, books that have been, you know, carefully curated. Um, for for our customers and and when they, when we hit it right oh it's such a good feeling yeah because you when you go through airports it is interesting you see the same 15 books it feels like and that's oh, kind yes. of it's kind of by design right and some of them are great some oh, yes, of them are great absolutely absolutely there's a lot of great books that are you know number one bestsellers in airports and and for good reason because they're really good books uh, but you know there are random times where I will pick a book off the shelf that I didn't realize we had, or that looks really interesting. And then I'll read from it and follow my employees around the store. <laughs> They're like, watch that lady. Oh my goodness. See where that book's going. That's and because, so you know, because I'm their boss, they have to put up with it. So <laughs> it, it's kind of, yeah, it gives me a little bit of a little power trip and I like it. I love it. Yes. So we're going to be talking in this episode about, um, about the books to get some younger people interested in. Yes. So we've got a uh, young adult and then also some books for the younger readers. Yep. Um, what's your number one tip for parents who are just screaming about getting their kids off of screens? What, what's a good way to get kids into reading at different ages? Well, you know, I think that a really good way to start, especially if they're watching a lot of TV or they're, you know, on their iPads or whatever, is to try to tie in a book into something that they're seeing. So like Last Kids on Earth was a huge, is a huge hit on Netflix, um, but that all started with a series of books, of eight books. So if they like that series, say, hey, this is how it started and you're going to find a lot more in this book than you will ever see on the screen. So trying to connect something that they know of with the book that, you know, was the impetus for that, I think is a great way to connect the reading with the screen. That's a good start. I and all like te teachers who've been requiring summer reading of kids at schools where that's a thing, I feel like the picks that they have for kids these days are so much more interesting than they were even five, 10 years ago. They're really, because, they're really yeah. finding things that kids want to read. Well, it's because I think that because the, the books that are coming out are so much better than they've ever been before. You know, you're, you're finding books that are way more diverse than you've ever seen before so that kids can see themselves in these books. You know, it's not just, um, you know, the middle-class white American kid, you know, it's kids that, um, you know, are on the wrong side of the tracks, kids that have, you know, issues with parents dying, parents in divorce, you know, kids that are refugees, um, mm -hmm. you know, kids that are undocumented. So I think that they are putting, you know, these kinds of books on their list because these kind of books finally exist. And it's been really, really cool to see that. That's we had great. a local junior high, a, a series, a 
group of junior highs, middle schools in our county that um, did what's called Battle of the Books. And they have all these books that they read and then they have this, this trivia at the end of the school year. And all the books that they chose this year were all diverse. So there was a book that had a you know Chinese American protagonist, a book that had um, an African American protagonist who was in jail and is on house arrest. Um, you know, you got Latinx, you've got all these different, you have just disabled kids. I mean, all these different kinds of kids and all these different kinds of environments um, that really give, you know, the kids that, who live here in El Dorado Hills a broader view of the world. And I was so excited by what they chose. That's it's great. Awesome. Well, you have some great picks for us um, this summer, and we are going to have a couple of YA books and then some really good advice, I think, for parents about graphic novels, which some parents are like, that's not a real book. Oh, yeah, uh -huh. it is. Yes, it and is. so we're going to have all of that in this special Summer Beach Reads, the Younger Edition, next. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I've been anchoring morning news for more than 20 years. I thought I had seen and covered it all. Then came coronavirus, a pandemic, anchoring in my living room, homeschooling my kids, and all the things that come with COVID, including a vaccine. It was supposed to get us all back on track of living our best Instagrammable lives. Best lives-ish. The reality is we're still untangling what life looks like in a world post-pandemic. A lot of people describe a sense of never-ending overwhelm and anxiety. Is that just what life is like now? Or are there ways we can get back to living in the now? And this season of the Dying Desk podcast is asking how we can hit the restart and start living again. So, you know, when we talk about YA or young adult, um, you have, the, I always think people have this idea in mind that it's, it's like the 14 year old girl sitting on the towel at the pool. That's not actually what it is. I mean, no, it could be, it not. It, but it doesn't have to be. No, we, we find a lot of adults coming into our star, store looking for YA. Um, YA also is a really natural bridge to like the sci-fi fantasy section of bookstores because there is so much of YA that is sci-fi and fantasy. Um, but what I love about YA is that the books are relatively short in terms of like, they're not going to be a, a lot of them, unless it's like, you know, Twilight, they're not going to be 800 pages, but they're relatively short. Their plot um, pacing is very, very quick. And so you can finish a book in a day easily. And for some people, that's what they want. They want to sit down for a couple hours, get through that book and then move on. So a lot of adults are buying YA in our store because um, a lot of YA, like I said, is fantasy. So it's a great escape. Uh, for them to get into this new world that's not here. Um, so yeah, it is for everyone, not just for the teens. That's great. Okay, so the first one you have is called Family of Liars. Family and it's of a Liars. Prequel, it's a prequel to a book called We Were Liars. Yeah, so E. Lockhart wrote We Were Liars and that book went like viral on TikTok. It just went crazy and people were just gobbling it up. And this is the prequel that's been long awaited from people. And this actually takes place 27 years before the story of We Were Liars. Um, it focuses on the main character of that book, Katie. It focuses on her aunt, Carrie. Um, there, things take place at this private island called Beechwood off the coast of Massachusetts. And it's more, the first book was actually more of a thriller as this is more of a character study on this person, Carrie. Uh, the book jacket blurb says, it's a fiery, addictive heiress, an irresistible, unpredictable boy, a summer of unforgivable betrayal and terrible mistakes. Mm. As welcome back to the Sinclair family, they were always liars. And I think it's best to read these books in tandem. So read We Were Liars first. I mean, read, yeah, We Were Liars first and then Family of Liars second to get the full effect. 
Excellent. Is that cat okay? I, is that, is that <laughs> so I was trying to keep her out of the camera, but she's kind of, okay. She's kind of obsessed with me. I just got to say. Well, yeah. I mean, hello. She's only, well, I was going to say human, but she's not. And now the cat is literally oh, walking yeah. in front of you. This is what she does. Oh she lives God. on my shoulder. Yeah. It's, it's very, oh no, you are not thinking of picture of this. You I did. <laughs> You're such a brat. I know she's crazy. Oh, yes. Oh gosh. Do you know, in like, I don't know what it is, like three years of podcasting, I've never had a cat jump onto someone's shoulder. That's she never does. happened. Like when I come home from work, she will run from wherever she is in the house. You're like wearing that thing right now. It's outstanding. She loves me so much. It's it's unhealthy. I'm starting to understand when, when we started the podcast today, team was like, I've got this cut here on my chest from my cat. I'm like, and I remember thinking, I that's an odd, odd spot for a cat to get you. No, it's as it turns out, there's nothing odd about it in your house. <laughs> okay. The now next book. <laughs> All of my secrets are being revealed. Oh dear. Just the best. Okay. The okay. next book is called the peach rebellion. What oh, a great cover. I love this book. So um, pretty. I love it because it's about friendship and it also takes place in California. Um, I love books that are historical fiction for the middle grade crowd because I just don't think we have enough of that. Um, and I also like it because no one dies. There's no pets that die. You know, it's, it's like a real book about real relationships. And I just love that. Um, it takes place in the peach orchards of California right after the Dust Bowl um, in Oklahoma, kind of sent all those people out our way, kind of like Grapes of Wrath, right? Mm -hmm. But um, so this takes place, it's these two girls, Jenny Rose and Peggy, and Peggy is the daughter of the, the man that owns this orchard. And Jenny Rose is the, the daughter of this family of pickers from Oklahoma who have to make a living traveling all throughout California as the crops need to be picked. And so they form this fast friendship, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a, an even friendship as, you know, one is very wealthy and one is very poor, but they become fast friends. And then as Jenny Rose has to leave to go pick other plants and things around California, she comes back seven years later, but their friendship has changed as most friendships do when you're gone. Um, her friend uh, Peggy has this new friend that is the daughter of the banker in town. So very, very wealthy. Jenny Rose comes back and she feels very left out, very excluded. But um, they have to figure out how to band together to kind of solve something that's happening in their town. And so it's about old friends, new friends, how at first you might think someone is not, who, not you know, like you might have this vision of someone and then you come to find out that's not really at all who they are. There's all this other stuff underneath. So yeah. it's just a really genuine book. I love it. Um, and again, it's 1940s California. So what's not to like about that? Um. I gotta be honest. I'm not sure. I just heard a word you said because I've been watching the cat do gymnastics on your shoulder the entire time. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. This is why sometimes podcasts do need video. Yeah, she's she's very special. She's she's very special. <laughs> she needs she needs to be a book. That's just beautiful. Okay, and I am teasing. I did listen to the whole thing, and it does no, sound like did. a great book. Okay, Shinji Takahashi. I know is this is so fun. this is so interesting to me. I know. So you know, fantasy books. <clears throat> 
are just a, huge, huge for the middle grade reader. Um, and, and it's all kinds of fantasy. So it's funny when, when kids come into the store and we ask them, you know, can I help you find a book? They're like, well, I'm looking for a fantasy book. And so then you start saying, okay, well, what kind of fantasy, right? Are there, do you like dragons? Do you like, you know, wizards, sorcerers, witches? Do you like supernatural, like ghosts? I mean, like you have to ask all these questions because middle grade books are full of everything and anything. And I love that. And so Shinji Takahashi, um, I love it, first of all, because the author, Julie Kagawa, was born in Sacramento. So we have a little local uh, affiliation there. Um, I love it because it's bringing, again, more diverse uh, voices and diverse people into literature. And this particular kid, Shinji, is um, his, he becomes like this conduit, like this medium for this uh, guardian of the world to use him to kind of do his power through him. So it's kind of weird. And so Shinji thinks this is pretty cool, but then this corporation finds out about it and they want to use this power for evil. And so they want it, of course, da, da, da. and so they want to try to get their hands on Shinji. Um, so it's, it's thrilling. It's a, it's a really fast moving book, a great book for reluctant readers to kind of grab them and, and get them um, hooked in. It has a little bit to do with the Society of Explorers and Adventurers lore that exists across the Disneyland, Disney theme parks around the world. So it's, you know, for that, for that person who's a little bit geeky um a little bit into fantasy and just want a little bit country a little bit rock and roll <laughs> yes um, and ice skating too uh, <laughs> if you ever watch that show uh, which I, you probably did and anyways it's just fun it's just fun fantasy um i i just i love it it's got a great cover and uh, you know you just can't go wrong with it I yeah, know. I love I love that you have to like debrief fantasy into 17 different categories. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. And you know, kids are just great. Everyone. They're like, no, I don't like dragons, but you know, oh, I like wizards and you know <laughs> I don't like things in the future, okay. but I like time travel. You know, it's it's awesome. It's so much fun. So true. So true. So the last couple of books we're going to talk about um, are for kids age six to eight. So these yes. are your kind of emerging readers. Yes. And one trend that we've seen for years that some parents have a beef with is graphic novels. And a graphic novel is kind of like a fancy comic book. Yes. Sort of. But yes. I guess, I guess the, what is the, what is the beef that most parents have it? Is it that they think it's not a real book? Well, most parents, you know, when they look like here's a, a spread of, of a graphic novel. So they see so much visual, right? So much art and very few words. So they think this can't be a real book because there's not that many words in the bubbles, okay, that the, that the characters are saying. However, what they don't understand, I don't think, is that the, the pictures that you see in the book actually reinforce the text that the kids are reading. And so the more reinforcement you can get of that text, the, the higher the, the comprehension is going to be of what they're actually reading, which I think is really what you want. It's that comprehension. Um, you don't necessarily want word count. You want people, you want those kids to understand what they're reading and to be able to tell it back to you. Um, you'll find that in a lot of these um, graphic novels for beginning readers, the vocabulary is actually higher than you might think. The Lexile score can actually be higher than some of the classic um, books that you that you would normally think of for these you know younger kids. Um, so that's really something that we try to um, educate parents about when they're kind of putting the kibosh on 
you know, getting a not a real book. Um, for, for instance, this is new. So do you remember the Magic Treehouse books? Um, Absolutely. You know, when our kids were really little. Um, now they've come out with them in graphic form. And you will find this for a lot of novels. Uh, the Wings of Fire series about dragons, very popular with middle graders. Now they have um, their own graphic graphic ones as well. Same with the I Survive series are now graphic series. Um, because again, this is for the reluctant reader. This is for the, the kid that says, I don't want to read. It's too hard. There's too many words to a page. I look at the book and I just don't want to do it. This is what's going to get them involved. They'll be able to read this book quickly. They'll finish it and go, wow, I finished a whole book, mom or dad. Um, and they're going to feel so great about that. And they're going to want to dive right back in to the next book or even into an, another book of the same genre. So I think that this is a really good thing for parents to to embrace and to yes. encourage and of course you know you want to encourage both but this is a great way in for those kids who don't want to read a book yeah i mean it's the starter it is it's, the start. and it's like so it's fun. the little i mean this is probably a very inappropriate metaphor but it's the starter drug that kind of gets you you know into <laughs> you know i have I have, you know, I have the diet Coke. I like the caffeine. And then the next thing you know, I'm addicted to coffee, you know, yeah, it's something sure. trying to tame that, tame that analogy down a little bit, but, but sometimes like you get them, you get them hooked on something that they like, and then yes. like they do kind of fall into it. Yes. And, and so that's another thing too, is that when we have parents coming into the store saying, oh, I have to find a book with a certain Lexile score or a certain this <laughs> or that, you know, they're always surprised to find that some of these graphic novels actually meet that criteria. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I only have one book to maybe suggest. Um, okay. I have two boys. First one was at a young age, just obsessed with reading. I would say the second one likes reading, but it's not necessarily the first thing he's going to go do. But when he finds a good book that he's really into, then yes. like it's like magic. And his teacher for summer reading had picked a book that was so interesting to him that on a road trip, he asked if he could stop and find a bookstore to get it because he was so interested. In, and that just was very surprising to us. He is very interested in World War II history. And the book yes. that was assigned is called The Boys Who Challenged Hitler. Have ah. you read that book? I have not, but World War II history is really big right now in our middle schools. And Alan um, Gratz is an author with Scholastic, and he has written many books that um, kids are just in love with around those types of historical events. Very interesting. Well, this yeah. book is quite interesting. It's, it's by Philip Hoos, and uh, it's, it was a 2015 nonfiction book that he wrote, um, won many awards, but it's basically the story of the Danish resistance group in World War II that was called, oh. they nicknamed themselves the Churchill Club. Oh. And they got away with all kinds of things, sabotage, and, and these 14-year-old boys caused oh. some damage. And it's really about, you know, this idea of kids seeing something that's not right in society and not necessarily thinking that the adults around them were doing the right thing. Exactly. So they took life into their own hands. And it is a true that. story. And he was absolutely fascinated and then popped it in the mail to a cousin in Texas who also is very interested in World War II history. So that was kind of, a, that was a reading win for our family this summer that, you know, that book would, had such resonance with him. Yeah, well, look up Alan Gratz um, because I think that, you know, he might enjoy his book Allies and some of the other ones that he's got out there. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Sounds great. Well, Tina, this has been fabulous. Oh, so fun. I wish we did this way more often than once a year. <laughs> 
well, you know what? I think we should probably do more of it because okay. I think uh, it's reading is just such a lovely escape. And there, really regardless is. of what age you are, what a great way to just slow your brain, slow your mind, get inspired mm. and just have fun. And that's yeah. the nice thing about summer with, especially for these younger readers, you don't have the pressure of homework in school. So maybe yes. you develop, it takes a little time to develop that love yes and to to be able to choose any book you want instead of you know having to fit in fit it into that one whatever your teacher's asking you to do yeah it's just it's lovely to have that free choice and you don't have to write an essay or anything about it no you can just enjoy it i mean you could and that'd be enough exactly (laughs) what are some good ways for people to keep up with you and some of the things that you're recommending is facebook the best best place to find you facebook is the is the best place let's let's just look just you know put in face in a book el dorado hills and you'll find our facebook page we've got all of our events listed there for you to kind of take a look at and maybe come into the store and, and see what we've got going we will post um you know, updates about what new books are coming out in the world. So you can keep track of what's new, newly being released every Tuesday. Um, You can see store pictures and find out what we're up to. Um, But the best way to keep in touch with us is to come visit us. We love to talk books and we love to match people to books. And so that would be the best way to see what we're doing and who we are. Before I let you go, and this is not a kid question. I have one other question. I saw a book that has come out And it is a book co-written by James Patterson and Dolly Parton. Yes, yes. What is up with that? Like, how did those two get together to write a book? Well, this is something that James Patterson has actually been doing for some time. He had a book that first came out that he co-wrote with Bill Clinton. And it was a mystery series, a mystery book that he wrote in conjunction with Bill Clinton. Um, And there was actually two of them that he's done. Um, So now it's like, you know, where to go from Bill Clinton, you might as well go to Dolly, because uh, she's pretty, like, she is on a run right now. She is just the it girl. And so they just, I think he probably reached out to her or whatever, and they just collaborated, and they came out with Run, Rose, Run, and it's been a great, a great seller in our mystery series, you know, in our Interesting. Yeah. And it features, like, 15 original songs that she wrote for the book, which is just, it's, it's such a strange crossover. Like you think of crossovers in music, yes. but crossovers in writing with somebody from even a different field entirely. It's, it's so interesting. But music, you know, writing music is writing, right? You have lyrics, mm-hmm. you know, you've got you know, all of that. So, you know, she is such an amazing songwriter. I mean, I think that that's what she's best known for. Um, and so it's just, it's neat to see these partnerships form, um, you know, between celebrities and authors and, and see what they come up with. You know, some are, you know, some are just there just because the names just can sell a, sell a book, but some are really, really good reads. Do you know if they truly sat and collaborated or like what I the actual writing process be I interesting to, I mean, I'm picturing, I'm picturing him at like Dollywood or something, you know, like <laughs> Dollywood, Rosie, really do that? James yes. Patterson and Dollywood. That could be fun. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, James Patterson, he is a champion of just literature and just books of independent bookstores and independent booksellers. Um, every year he offers all kinds of scholarships and grants for books for independent booksellers across the country. He's just a fabulous, you know, champion and hero for all of us. And so anything he does, we just love. I did not know that. Yes, he is awesome. Why don't you see if you can get him and Dolly into the store to do a signing? Okay, that no problem there. That would be amazing. I'll just name drop you too. Like Deidre wants to oh, Yeah, that'll do and it. And they'll for sure be coming. Yeah, that'll happen. 
just wait by that phone. All right. Well, thank you so much. This has been just way too much fun. And if you would like to reach out and let me know what you're reading, or if you have an idea for the show, you can always reach out to me. My favorite place is Instagram at run, read, sip. Of those three, I know you would read with me. Would you run and would you sip with me? I would walk with you. Well, I would walk behind you and root you on as you run. Okay. Around me. And then, oh yes, I would sip anything, wine, cocktails, water, iced tea, whatever. There you go. Okay. It's on Instagram, run, read, sip. (laughs) Let me know how things are going. And if you have a minute and you can leave a rating or review, leave it for Tina on whatever (laughs) podcast platform you're listening to Dying to Ask right now. So much fun, way too much fun for one episode. But thank you again, Tina Ferguson of Facebook Bookstore in Eldorado Hills, California for joining for our annual summer reads list. Thank you. So much fun to be here. And um, I'm sure that we'll continue to talk books far beyond this podcast. Thank you, Tina.